Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 23, Episode 13 of the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. I'm Mills. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Jason. No. <laughs> and we have a, 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 a super special remote guest. Who's Ooh. very patient. Yeah. Who is, yes. Who are you and what do you do that makes you famous? Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Jason. I am the principal organizer of the Gauntlet Gaming Community. Uh, yeah, that's me. Woo. And what is the Gauntlet Gaming Community? So the Gauntlet is a... Oh gosh, the gauntlet is so much. Um, there's is. a lot to the gauntlet. Uh, so we are a podcast network. We have several podcasts of our own. We produce a magazine every month called Codex. Uh, we have Gauntlet Con. Uh, the sort of crown jewel of the gauntlet is Gauntlet Hangouts, which is what my t-shirt is today. Uh, gauntlet Hangouts is our monthly gaming calendar. And we're just a great big community of people. Um, hundreds of people who are really into indie and sort of alternative scene role-playing games. And yeah, um, we, we play a lot of games, we, we create together, we play together, we hang out, um, it's awesome. Yeah, and uh, quite a few of us are members of the Gauntlet oh, yeah. community. Can, can confirm. I've yes. Yes, yes. Like a <laughs> uh, super awesome place to hang out. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's fun. I, yeah. the, the term I use describing it to friends is the aggressive inclusivity, which <laughs> is just something that I really <laughs> cherish about that place. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, Jason? The funny uh, thing is, like, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty low-key about, <laughs> like, like, we're aggressively inclusive, but, like, I think we don't make a huge deal about it. You no, know? Like, no, you're, you're right. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so it's kind of a um, we're nice and chill about our yeah. <laughs> diversity, our inclusivity. You know, so. maybe, maybe a better term is like unapologetic inclusivity. Unapologetic, which, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, absolutely, which is anybody uh, who pays attention to the Gauntlet Twitter feed knows that. So, <laughs> I'm yeah. so here for that fucking Twitter feed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our Twitter feed is fly off. Very awesome, yeah. So, yeah, I think like once a day I get so. the like fucking right as I just like walk through and like clock something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think sometimes some sort of the community community members wish I wasn't so. Uh, hot all the time on Twitter, but that's okay. Um, I think you know you have to stand out sometimes on the platform on Twitter. There's so. only there's only one temperature. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. Jason. We're still having a little bit of trouble hearing you, so if you could just make sure you're like close to your mic and as loud as you can be. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. yeah but okay. you're coming through. It still works. You don't even need a pop filter. Just get in that <laughs> mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, hopefully, I hopefully everybody can hear me. I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. It seems like it's a little tinny and a little quiet, but everybody can hear you. Okay. Uh, so I, I mean. Like I am, I'm kind of like the new girl to the gauntlet, um, and it's, it's super exciting to be on there. I haven't played any games yet, um, but I've like been told like how amazing the community is, and there's just so many of us who are members there that I trust. Like Mills here, we can't call you Jason because mm. there's another Jason, but and like Tomes and Heavy Metal Jess, who's in the chat room. Like there's so many people. Um, like what kind of was the the catalyst for the gauntlet? Like what what made you start putting together this community? You know, it happened pretty organically. I mean, uh, so we started in Houston back in 2013, and 
essentially it was just because I needed someone to play role-playing games with in Houston because I moved there from Austin and um, I was not able to find a group but I did find this basically dead G plus group called the gauntlet. And <laughs> I just started, I just started posting like, I was like, Hey, I want to play role playing games. Is anybody here? And, um, uh, a guy named Carrie was like, yeah, sure. We, I have a, I have a place at my work after hours we can play. I was like, okay, cool. So we just started kind of running games on a weekly basis and that turned into a twice weekly and then <laughs> turned into a three times weekly. Mm-hmm. And at our Zenith, uh, in Houston, it was like, Gosh, we had like different groups. We were running like sometimes four nights a week, and with like dozens and dozens of people showing up. Right, so um, it of Houston is still really big. Like, awesome. it's, a, it's the one of the bigger face to face groups in the city, and um, and then like around 2015 or so, after I moved from Houston, we started to kind of take it all online, and um, yeah, so. You know, we started doing the podcast, and then the podcast gave birth to other podcasts, and that sort of, uh, you know, that gave birth to the Codex Magazine, and uh, we had Gauntlet Hangouts. Gauntlet Hangouts is, you know, our online gaming is like a big, big deal, um, and it just kind of just grew just over the years. Like, there was no real um, plan in the beginning, you know? It just sort of, um, I don't know, just, you, get enough, you get enough like-minded people together, and you can you can do the thing, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a really, really fun experience actually. What, what's the, what's the primary technology used for online games? We do, um, we do a uh, YouTube. Well, most of us, not everybody, most of us, we do, um, hangouts, but through YouTube. So we, through YouTube streaming, that sets up a hangouts call. And then, uh, that way we can play and record the games as well. Right. So, nice. Uh, you haven't had problems because I've heard that the, there have been problems with uh, Google Hangouts in the last like six or eight months once they announced they're getting rid of Google Plus. These things started getting twitchy. Have you guys noticed that at all or no? No, the, the YouTube implementation is the same. Okay. So they, they've yeah they've gotten rid of like consumer facing like Hangouts.google.com like that kind of video calling that is gone. But the YouTube implementation is identical still. Like it hasn't changed at all. Oh, okay. and so um, I don't think they're going to change it. There's no indication they are. So we'll keep using it <laughs> as long as we can nice. because it's what we know and it's very easy to use, right? So right. yeah, that's kind of how we do it. Awesome. Yay! Yeah. Any more questions? I mean, go on to the. Go, go ahead. I don't know. I mean, we can talk. Uh, I think the inclusivity piece is something that's really like close to our hearts and uh, a big oh, draw. And the thing that kind of really, yeah, not you, Abria. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, like, what is it like? How did did that? Was that something that you started when you started the Gauntlet like Hangouts, or is that something like in, in general? Like when you're talking about how it kind of happened organically, or is that something you like put in place from the start, or is that something that you then saw a need for and then started to implement? It was the latter. You know, in the beginning when we were essentially just a, I mean, we were a private group for most of our history, right? I would say we've only been a really like public group for like maybe two or three years Mm -hmm. and um and basically like as it started to grow we just began to realize we're like uh hey everybody here is white and a dude maybe we should try to (laughs) improve upon that a little bit and um so i asked uh kate bullock i don't know if you know kate but kate is the 
organizer of Breakout Con, and she is very involved in different aspects of community organizing within role-playing games. I asked Kate, I was like, hey, Kate, you're very good at this. Um, help me come up with a plan to like improve the diversity of our space, right? And so we put together um, what I consider to be a very... Um, like kind of groundbreaking like document called the inclusivity policy mm -hmm. and basically it is a document that's on our website and it just in very like explicit careful detailed language explains our community's values what we tolerate what we don't tolerate um what we strive for uh and um yeah and so we kind of put that out there and we just started making things like safety tools and um, just being very proactive about reaching out to people from marginalized groups, uh, reaching out to women, uh, reaching out to different like queer role-playing game communities and that kind of thing, and just getting people involved, right? Um, my fire Twitter is part of that, right? Like on Twitter, you get you know if you put your values out there loudly where people can see <laughs> them, um, they are likely they're more likely to like say, oh hey, I identify with what you're doing, right? Yeah. And so it the decision to be a more inclusive and diverse group. I, I think that was always part of our sort of like, um, and we've always been very good people, right? Like kindness is our sort of like overarching thing. We're very into kindness, right? And like being very nice to each other. Uh, but we made a purposeful decision to like try to expand the diversity of the group for sure. Yeah, and isn't there even something on the um, Patreon where like you can Patreon at different levels to um, encourage that? Yeah, so we have this level at Patreon, on Patreon that is, um, it's a $10 pledge, and basically what it is, is it gives you two memberships uh, at, a re at a reduced price, right? <laughs> so a normal full membership is $7, but the, but the $10 one gives you two for 10 And the only thing is, is at least one of those has to be a person from a marginalized or underrepresented group. So, Yay! And that was actually a really nice um, program to sort of like, uh, you know, kind of to, to kind of give us a little bit of like diversity boost, which was good. Um, but I actually think that like just having that in place has been really important, right? Like, yeah. because there's only 30 of those Patreon slots, so it's not like, you know, <laughs> it's not like a huge number of people, right? But I think just like having that there on the Patreon like sends a signal, right? It lets people know that yeah. they're cool. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that and thinking like, oh, yeah, this is a place I want to go hang out. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is definitely yeah, a, nice. yeah. Awesome. yeah. Yeah. Well, and as a woman, like when I heard about that, which Mills actually is the first one who was like talking to me about the gauntlet, and he told me about that particular piece, and I just I love that piece. It's like, oh, not only is it like, hey, you're tolerated or allowed here, but you're like encouraged and desired to be here, which is a huge <clears throat> difference, and that I don't know, that's very important and. Very interesting yeah, to me. I absolutely. appreciate that. I mean, and, and we, we try to like spread that as much as we can throughout all the different um, pillars, fingers of the gauntlet. <laughs> and, um, you know, like like the Codex Magazine, for example, is a really, really great example. Like, so in year one of Codex, not the most diverse thing in the world. Um, <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a very, very unknown zine. We didn't have a lot of money and we didn't have a lot of reach. And so we kind of had to... Um, you know, we had to kind of just, like, get submissions from the people who were around us, right? And so it's not super diverse. I, it's one of the things I don't love about the first year of Codex. It's otherwise pretty awesome. Um, but in the second year, we made a decision to, like, improve that, right? So, like, we're okay. So, we're like, okay, you know, what do we have to do to, like, make sure we have more voices being represented in the scene's content, you know? 
And so I don't have any like hard numbers, but the few that I remember from back then, I think we ended up at the end of volume two of Codex, I think we ended up with like something like 38% of all the dollars that we spent went to a woman, right? Okay. And so we were happy about that because it was much lower in volume one. <laughs> and um, and this and now in volume three, it's like it's it's basically even at this point. Um, the like if I have an issue where most of the authors are men because that's just how it's worked out. Mm -hmm. I make sure all of the artists are women, right? Like I kind of make those active decisions. Nice. Um, but uh, you know, so I, I try to like find that balance, you know. And um, we've always been very, very good about queer representation. That's always been like a real from the beginning. I'm a gay man, so I think that's probably part of that, right? Like yeah. we've always signaled that pretty strongly. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, we, we have we have we have a ways to go though. Like I would love to have more people of color in the gauntlet, right? Um, I think there are not enough people of color in role-playing games that don't matter. And I definitely would like for there to be more of the gauntlet. So, um, you know, we, we're always looking at, like, how can we try to, um, you know, what do we have to do to, like, expand the expand the, the table a little bit here? Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have one tiny question to ask. So how do you feel, like, the mission of inclusivity has, like, directed and expanded on like the diversity of content that you guys have made and like the games that you play and the stuff that you produce. This is a softball. Well, Explain well, why the diversity it, is good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, if I understand your question correctly, I mean, it's, I think that it has obviously, it improves it, right? I mean, we are in the gauntlet, not, not, not even just for Codex, but like for everything we do, we're doing so much cool shit right now, right? Like, so much cool shit. Like, today, I ran um, a, a, a series I call True Beauty. It's Monster Hearts 2, but it's set in the 1980s uh, ballroom scene of Harlem. Right? Oh, my God. And so, yeah, it's so good, right? And so um, every every player character, like, you must, like, it's a, it's a written-down thing. It's a thing we published. Every player character must be a person of color. Like, it has rules for, you know, like, you... You, you must explore, like, what the understanding of, like, queer gender was back in the 80s, right? Like, it has all this, like, stuff built into it. And, like, that's a, and it's still Monster Hearts, right? We're still playing Monster Hearts, yeah. but we're doing it in this, like, really, really cool frame. And so, there, and there's stuff like that happening all over the gauntlet, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, how do we take all this stuff we're doing and, like, explore different stories, tell different stories? Like, how do we... Um, you know, how do we just do something that represents the bigger swathe of people out there, right? I mean, um, we still do our, like, sort of Eurocentric fantasy stuff. Like, that stuff is still happening in the gauntlet, right? Mm -hmm. But we're also doing, um, you know, a, a group of um, a group of folks just finished a playtest of Orun, right? Uh, which was, I think, was run by Misha, but uh, I believe Misha was at least a player, though. And, like, that's great, right? Like, there's just, like, there's so many... There's so many opportunities in the gauntlet to try something different, to play a character that's unlike you, um, and to tell different stories, right? And and that happens like throughout, right? Like that is a that's a a constant thing, and it's always happening, it's always growing, and we get excited, right? We get like really excited about like <laughs> your cool new angle, right? We're yeah, into yeah. It. Uh, so. that's so good. Yeah, 
I want to play that. I have to go. Invite me. Yes, please. Come. Uh, yes. I mean, we, we will find a way. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the next best thing. Like, how can people who are listening to this or watching us right now, how can they join the Gauntlet Games? Yeah, so it's not easy. Um, <laughs> it is. It's not. Yeah. Uh, so we have. I mean, I'll tell you. Give you some numbers here. Um, in January, we had over 175 sessions on the calendar, oh. right? Mm-hmm. All of them full. Wow. <laughs> so um, some of them will have like some drops like at the end, like last minute, because that's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. But they're all good. All the games will make, and 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 they're all full. And that is not. Um, we're, we're doing our best <laughs> to get more right. games on the calendar, right? Uh, and in fact, like we, well, the way we have to do it is we have to periodically, basically, we just kind of periodically open the gates a little bit, right, to let new people in. And because we, if if we took everybody who wanted to play, we we don't have enough games for them, unfortunately. Right. So we have twenty five spots coming open January fifteenth. Um, those are the spots that give you access to Gauntlet Hangouts, and um, anyone can join Gauntlet Hangouts games if there's space, but Practically speaking, you have to have one of the Patreon spots because you can't otherwise RSVP in time, right? Mm-hmm. So okay. you get like RSVP, RSVP priority with one of the Patreon spots. Mm-hmm. And so um, we'll have 25 of those spots. Um, we're going to do some more diversity stuff, so we'll have some of those spots available. Um, but So it's not easy, <laughs> um, sadly. But one thing you can do, though, is if you join at the Slack level, which is a great level to be at, that doesn't necessarily come with... Um, the Slack level doesn't automatically come with RSVP priority, but many, many games get organized on the Slack off the books, right? Okay. And so that's a really great way of just being involved in the community. Mm-hmm. Like, people are always putting, like, off the books games up. Like, the, you know, we have several channels that are kind of devoted to it, and somebody will just be like, hey, I, you know, on Tuesday, I'm going to run this. It's too late to put it on the calendar, but who wants to play, right? And so that's one way you can kind of do it. And I think just hanging out with us is fun, too. So, mm. yeah. Nice. yeah. It honestly you feels like um, <laughs> just being at a con 24-7 forever. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, God, yeah. it's exhausting. It's, it's awesome, though. Never-ending con. Yep, yeah, that's, like, that's my, like, I actually, I actually wanted to call the gauntlet that. I wanted to just have the subtitle. Um, the never-ending game convention. <laughs> nice. and over the top. Uh, I went with a more subdued and ongoing conversation about role-playing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It does sound a bit more refined. I like that. Yeah, um, yeah a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, and I know that Tomes, who runs um, our new show, Small Game Hunter, um, is actually like one of your big community and um, like like community culture organizers, right? He does, yeah. Uh, Tomes is the... Um, we don't really have titles. Okay. <laughs> Tomes is the uh, I, I call him like this uh, the director of like community care. Like he's the community <laughs> care person. Nice. Right? Community care, community resources, making sure everybody's taken care of, making sure everybody like new people know where to go to find things, mm-hmm. um, and, and and updating like various resources that are available. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. And I just have to give yeah, you like mad awesome. mad props because. Um, like I organize like thirty people into like seven <laughs> games at a time. <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> what do well, you mean so we're I all? I have to give credit to um, so Gauntlet Hangouts is uh, like I don't have. I used to I used to run it like day to day, right? But I don't anymore. Um, okay. Now it's run by uh, Lowell Francis, my co-host on the Gauntlet podcast, okay. and uh, Lowell is fantastic. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who, like I. I get to be the face of the gauntlet, right? Like, people associate me with the gauntlet, right? But 
goal is that rock star person who is fucking doing the work, right? Nice. Like, like the, like the, that like under the radar, like, like <laughs> getting shit done work, right? Yes. Like that's, and that's awesome. Like Lowell is an amazing person. Um, and under Lowell's, um, guidance, Gauntlet Hangouts has like exploded. I mean, just exploded. So it was pretty awesome. The, the division of face and labor seems to be very similar to the Happy yeah. Jacks. So, so you are the Jason and I am the Lol. Right. <laughs> I just think of it like I like it like mar- favorite Marvel movie. You know, every great king needs an executioner. <laughs> I am Stu's executioner. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I will say that I want to join even more now because it's hard to get in. I'm like, oh, I'm locked out. I want it more. We're very into like like increasing demand by scarcity. It's working. Yeah, the scarcity is like just because we have to. There's like no like way around it. We just, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, if you think about it. So, I mean, just to give you a sense of like how we've grown and how we have tried to keep up with it as best we can. The first year of Gauntlet Hangouts, um, the first December of Gauntlet Hangouts, mm-hmm. which would have been December of 2015, we had something like seven games scheduled. And last month, for December 2018, we had something like close to, it's like 160. Mm-hmm. So, nice. yeah, like, it, and, and December, which is a tough month because yeah. of the holidays, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it has really, really grown. And we're, we, we have this program called Game Facilitator Camp. And Game Facilitator Camp is an active thing that's run by um, Michael Warford and Lowell. And we have a brand new crop of GM slash facilitators ready to come on come online and get their games on the calendar. So we are expanding. You know, we're very careful, right? Like yeah. we, we don't um, we don't just let anybody run games. Like they, they have to either go through Game Facilitator Camp or they have to play with us for a while to where we feel comfortable with them. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's that's one way. If you're interested in running games, I can get you a ticket to the room. So. <laughs> for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, like a bunch of hands just went up in this room. A brand, yeah. Mills, myself, yeah. and Stu, we all are interested in running games. If, if you are GM inclined, uh, that is something that's easier to work with. But, that, you know, but like, but, you know, the demand is on the player side, obviously. Sure. Right? Yeah. So. The, but here's the weird thing, is I've been to a bunch of conventions where, um, like, half the games I was in were good and mm-hmm. half weren't. <laughs> and But, at, like, the games I've been... I've been in Gauntlet since, like, August or something, and I've played in, like, eight or ten games, and none of them were yes. bad, and I don't understand how that's possible. What? Well, I mean, it sounds like it's the thing he was just talking about. He has, like, this this program to kind of, like... Ensure quality, quality control. Our, our culture program. is really strong. Um, yep. I mean, our culture of game running and game facilitating, and our procedures, and our yeah, our our our, our play culture is so is rock solid. I mean, and it's not the kind of thing you can do overnight. Um, it takes years <laughs> to develop, <laughs> but uh, but you know we reinforce it right because like you know we've got like people like me who are. You know, squawking on podcasts, talking about our our play culture, talking about how we do things, how we want to do things. Yeah. And then you've got like, you know, you've got like the Slack where we sort of like reinforce that and give each other praise. And 
um, and are very kind to each other and buck each other up, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you have the games, and in the games we have like standardized procedures for like setting expectations before the game. Uh, we have like feedback procedures that you know that we recommend. Like the play culture is super super strong. Safety tools, right? Huge, right? Safety tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is part of that, right? Like it's. Um, and we don't just, it's not roll 20. We don't just let anybody put the game up, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's, a, it's a controlled thing. Yeah. And, you know, some people don't understand that. They're like, oh, man, like, I, they get there and they're like, I want to run a game, I want to run a game. And it's like, we want you to run a game, but first, you need to get to know us. Yeah. And you need to learn our ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can run a game. Yeah. So. yeah. I am going to die of like, godless thirst at this point. You should, point. like, buy dinner <laughs> oh first, God. please. <laughs> I want so much. Um, I I mean, we could talk about this forever, but where uh, can they find you and the gauntlet and uh, uh, give give your deets? All my deets. Uh, So our Twitter, our our hot Twitter Twitter. is uh, at gauntletrpg. Our website is gauntlet-rpg.com. We're on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gauntlet. We have a G plus community. The G plus is going away. Um, be on the lookout for the Gauntlet forums. The Gauntlet forums are replacing <laughs> the G plus community. Yay! Oh man! Cool. The forum, Excellent. the forum battle. I, I feel that. I feel so much of that. All right. Um, well, we actually are a show where we answer questions and do emails. Never heard of it. So, <laughs> um, so we have, I think, two emails tonight, right? Uh, I believe yes. There are three. There, three? Well, we let, we can push one. Push one back. Sure. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, the um, last one's real long. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> when railroads have no. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna read it because his audio is a little rough. Yeah. He also so, ha- he has it digitally too. Right. It'll be fine. I'm trying to figure out how I would incorporate that. I would have to go in and like mute out every time no, he, he can talked. read it. I mean, like like he can read it. The C can look at it. Never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Audio poison. I love it. Where railroads have no tracks, from Mr. CJ or MRC. We are seamless professionals. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Here's Hello. A, a half thought, a shade really, about railroady games. I'm keeping this intentionally short. Signed, MRCJ. No. Um, I, think the hosts, I think the hosts have spoken lengthily about games where the GM coerced players into certain actions to move the game forward according to the GM's wishes. Also discussing um, the uh, about its opposite of the players basically doing whatever they want with no consequences. I think that there is a breakable balance. How far away do the players err before the entire game goes off the rails, as it were? Mm-hmm. If information is in in A, and the players burn down in A, I'm going to make those taverns because it makes it's clearer. Yes. Um, the advice th- from the show has always been that the players find the information in tavern B. <clears throat> On the surface, this is a good advice. Here is the balance question: If it does not matter where the players what the players do and they still get the information it is basically the same as a railroad but instead of ham-handed age 15 gm telling characters what to do the characters do whatever they want but the outcome is still the same mrcj obligatory ps nice interesting Mm. would you like to start (laughs) jason yeah i'd love to um so i think it depends a lot on the game right um so like in the gauntlet, or at least at my tables anyway, we take a very like, in my, in my games I take a very like collaborative approach, almost like a writer's room approach. So already 
the players are pretty involved in like um at least at a basic level like kind of describing the environment and stuff but often like even at the sort of narrative level right like we, we take a lot of like group ownership of the story and so that leads like you know we're kind of interested in just telling the best story and so if it makes sense for the clue to be an nb and we all know it was originally in it okay that's fine i mean we you know the, the, the fun the journey is the fun thing right it's right. not the like details right i think it depends on the game though so for example i uh, i played this game called Cthulhu dark which i love it's so good it's this very very rules light uh lovecrafty mystery game and the way it works is basically you just you just pepper the clues wherever the players are okay so if you need to find um a you know a book covered in human skin or whatever that's an important clue and you intended for them to find the clue in the heiress's hotel room but they decide to go to the library instead well it's in the library now right the important and the thing the way it works and the reason why it works is because in Cthulhu Dark what's at stake is whether your character goes insane or not right mm -hmm. and so that's the game right like the game is not where are the clues and can we find the clues yeah. the game is how do we react to the horror how do we process the horror right and so yeah whether whether they find the book in the library or in the hotel room is is, is not important what's important is once they realize it's a book covered in human skin how do they react <laughs> right. right like that's the story yeah. right yeah. and so i think it depends on the game um that's my that's my basic answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, too, like, just very quickly, um, I think a game where the players are inclined to burn down the tavern, <laughs> you're you're already in sort of an adversarial you're relationship. Waters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Already. I mean, I've done some crazy... Yeah, I, well, I've also done let's, some crazy yeah, stuff like that. Let's not in... paint with such a broad book. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> took offense to that. Like, I am represented by that remark. Well, also, like, Jason, you you are very often my GM, and I tend to... Do, you see, he already started with the laughing. Like, I tend to do super crazy stuff in a very, like, collaborative storytelling really? way. Really? <laughs> see? And, I I mean, taverns can sometimes get burned down. They are flammable. They, they're so wood, uh, they're full of, like, burnable juices. Not necessarily for, like, malicious intent to burn right. things down, <laughs> but I have characters who roll really badly a lot of the time. Right. Oh, that's just true. Yeah. <laughs> You're the I'm worst sure. roller I've I, played with, I think. <laughs> I'm going to fix this tavern. Next thing you know, it's like an ash heap. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was a hard move. I totally, yeah. Okay, I deserved that. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to answer his question in the context of games where GMs prep. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Stu. This is what I do. If I have... If there is a clue in this place, and I've decided that that really needs to be there, it makes sense story-wise, yeah. mm -hmm. moving it is is not an option. It's not going to mm -hmm. make sense. It's not right. going to keep the world consistent. And they burn down Tavern A. Mm -hmm. I will have another story ready. Yeah. Or I will have something else going on. Mm -hmm. But they've hit a dead end on yeah. that. Yeah. Well, so as far as that plot thread goes... It may go ahead. Is the story not now about the people who burned down the tavern? <laughs> exactly. I okay. Mean, let's say. <laughs> let's say that. Okay. Let's say they have a cryptic, mm. and they get frustrated and break it, and the little vials of stuff yeah. evaporate the papyrus inside, rather than mm. burning down a tavern. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they find another papyrus, yeah. but that one can't have it. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. My my point is, 
I, I'm okay with players finding dead ends. Yeah. yeah. If they've taken actions, and it and it's it's reasonable to assume that those actions are going to result in a possible dead end. I'm going to let that happen. If the players decide we're going to we're, fuck it, we're going to burn down a tavern. Yeah. Okay, you burn down a tavern. Burning down a tavern has repercussions. Right. It might involve the police. It might involve a fire inspector. Yeah. It may involve the destruction of an important clue as well. Yeah. It, it may in- involve an, an irate tavern keep. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but, he becomes the big bad now in the story for but, vengeance. But in, instead of saying, okay, you're going to go down, the, you're, I'm, I'm going to move the clue over here, what I would normally do is say, okay, now you've got a dead end as far as what you were doing, but now there's other repercussions to hap- yeah. that have yeah. to happen. Or there's some other storyline I'm going to take you on. And th- this first storyline, the things that your character would normally have done to interfere with the bad guy's plots or whatever the, whatever the storyline is, that's going to get a lot harder because now you don't know what's going on or you don't have the ability to find out who was behind whatever the plot was. You know, see what I'm right. saying? So the story, the story well, so I will, Go ahead. <laughs> go, go, Bria. Huh. Uh, advocating for like a slight tweak on what Mr. CJ was talking about, I don't have a problem unless it's like a cryptic that is from 500 years ago and there's like the only possible way of getting the information. Lots of people know stuff. They just know it differently and sometimes wrong. Oh, sure. I don't have a problem moving the clue to Tavern B, but everyone there is rip-roaring drunk and has like a certain like outlook or perspective that changes the nature of the clue right. to give them like mixed intel. Maybe it's only half of the information. Sometimes it's just bad fucking intel. Sure. And you're just like, yeah. Oh, I know exactly where the dragon is. Like, right behind. So there's ways to deal with the like, all right, you fucked, you done fucked up at Tavern A. So how do I get you? If I, if it requires giving you some amount of information to move you forward down this plot that I know my group wants to go on, and maybe they just Kimmy rolled and accidentally burned down the, only place <laughs> the clue, like find a way. To that is a that. verb. Yeah. Sometimes you just Kimmy a roll it's real not, hard. It's not a, not a verb. It's a ver- we're verbing you. You've been verbed. So there's, I feel like there's some ways where you could give that information. Uh, I was gonna say, can I throw, can I, can I throw in for the railroad a little bit? Like, yeah, right. like, like, not really devil's advocate, but like, the, the the implication of Mr. CJ's question is that like railroading is bad, and in general, I think it is. And I'm sure you all have discussed this many, many times. But I do think that you have to also pay attention to how many sessions are you playing with, right? If this is an ongoing campaign, the railroad can get really frustrating and annoying, right? But if you've only got three or four sessions, you know, maybe you don't put them on a railroad. But instead, you put them in what I like to call a corridor. So <laughs> the, the corridor still goes from one end to the other. But you can walk around the corridor. You can go into side rooms that still eventually spit you back into the corridor. Yeah. Right? Because I know they need to get to the end of the corridor <laughs> by session four. right? And so I think there's a way you can kind of like have a sort of end game without it feeling so railroady, right? Yeah. You can, so that's slightly tangential what he was asking, Ben. Yeah. You can also call that a switching station, I think is what they call it in railroad <laughs> <Yeah>. parlance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I take issue with the idea that th- this person is saying, well, oh, they burned down in A and you're just going to put the stuff in Tavern B. Like, well, you just skipped right over the fact that they burned down well, a tavern <laughs> and there are going to be consequences for their actions. <laughs> yeah, like, I, but you, I mean... The burning part aside, his point is, if you move clues, let's say they just miss the clue in, in yeah. place A. They decide not to search it. Well, I'm saying in my game, the clue is now irrelevant. They're now <laughs> criminals. No, no, but I'm saying it, 
the burning part aside, they walk into a tavern. Rather than search the, t- the the tavern or search the room they're trying to search to find the clue, they just say, ah, this can't be here, and they leave. Yeah. Moving the clue, they can do whatever they want, and the game remains the same. It is that mm. it gets down to that sort of basic definition of railroading, which is players' decisions have no consequences. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, the, and he yes. does kind of have a point there. Yeah. Burning part aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean... I guess the thing is, like, like Jason was just saying, like, like corridor, like, depending on your state, like, railroading isn't necessarily a terrible thing, right? If people are still enjoying themselves, like, if it, I mean, as a player, I get frustrated with railroads where I feel like I'm bashing my head against the wall of the corridor and I'm not finding anything and I don't have a place to go yeah. or that I don't have choice. Right. Like the players still, technically, they still have choice when they burn down that tavern and then go to tavern B. I mean, it's super fun, and I agree. As a GM, I would totally add different things. Maybe they're not allowed in Tavern B now because I'm sorry, you burned down the last tavern you're in. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Firebug. Yeah, I'm not going to. You're not coming to my place, you know. Or, but there's there's interesting things you can do with things like that that the players still feel like they have agency. They still feel like they're making choices, and they do because they made the agency point to burn down the tavern. (laughs) So they definitely have these things that do still impact the story. But there's not like the frustration. Well, and I would also say you don't have to tell the players that the clue was originally in, in A. Thank right? you. Like, I mean, you they don't know that, and like they're still having fun, and they're you know, like I mean, so is there a bit of like, is it kind of deceptive? I guess, but I think it also just depends on your philosophy of role playing games, right? Like, I'm way more interested in telling the best story in the amount of time that I've got, and sometimes that means kind of you know. Uh, fudging things a little bit. And again, I feel better about that, especially when there are other stakes at play. So like in my example I said earlier, what's at stake is the character's sanity in that game. It's not whether they get to the end or not, right? And so that's the game, right? And so I think it depends a lot on the game. It depends on a lot of the the circumstances, really. But Yeah. I mean, as the GM, you kind of have to ask, like, what will make the most interesting story? Like, maybe throwing some wrenches in them, finding that clue, will make the story more interesting and better. Mm-hmm. In which case, oh yeah, oh you burned down the tavern. Oh man. That's too bad. The cipher was in there. What are you going to do now? You're going right. to have to go talk to a bunch of people and like bribe too, someone? Right? Yeah, you can yeah. tell them, oh, well, you screwed yeah. up now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have the smoking remains yeah. of the thing right. that they needed. So, sometimes that's the more interesting, more fun story because that opens up a whole bunch of avenues. Um, but sometimes, like, I, I mean, especially like when I'm running con games, like Jason said, when you have a time crunch and you've got, you know, sometimes like, okay, running around this village is not the most interesting p- part of the story. Oh, look, you tripped and, oh, there's this another copy of the cipher on the ground. Good job. Alright, let's go to the more fun part. Like, like right. <laughs> obviously don't do it that well, badly. That's a terrible way to do it. <laughs> well, <it's> but, <laughs> but, but you have to decide as a GM, it's like, alright, what is going to be the best most fun story for me and my players? I mean, it, it, it's kind of... It, it, that's similar to, to sort of the, the philosophy that Gumshoe has, which is yeah. finding the clue is not the problem. The mm-hmm. problem is once you have the clues, piecing them all together and figuring out what's what's going on. Right. right? So in that game, you just get the clue. I mean, if you're someplace and there's a clue, here's the clue. Yeah. There's no role or anything. You just you have it. Yeah. And th- I mean, it, it's a different philosophy of of gaming, and I think there's probably different players that prefer different kind, yeah. different sorts of that, but. Um, I, I do think, I do think he kind of has a point when the players' choices 
start to become irrelevant to the progress of the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. player choices should absolutely matter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially arson. Yeah, yes. I feel like maybe that's a sign that your players are telling you that the kind of game that you set out to like run isn't necessarily the one they want to play, and maybe they didn't know better at the beginning. They're like, oh yeah, we've only ever known like Dungeons and Dragons, where the DM prepares a fuck ton. And then right. walks them down the story, and they're like, "Nah, we want to explore the moral repercussions of killing everyone in this town." They're like, <laughs> right. "Okay, well, let's like take their lead a little bit, follow, and see if like if they make any concerted effort. Like, okay, I know we burned down the place with the one clue. Let's see if we can find another version of the clue that tells you like, oh, they still want to get back on track. But if they're having more fun exploring, like, what does it feel like to murder in a, in a world where I'm a god? Like, play that game with them. And sure. Listen and respond. And watch your back. Yeah, <laughs> and your players are crazy. Yeah. Run, run. Right. <laughs> All right. Thank All right. you, MRCJ or Mr. CJ, for the email. Yes. Uh, the next email from yet another Jason. <laughs> Not either of us. GMing <laughs> horror story slash venting. You want to read oh, sure, I'll read it. Yay. Yeah. All right. Well, I did it again. I deviated from my group's usual dungeon crawl to run something different. This time, it was the fall of Delta Green, the gumshoe system spinoff of the Call of Cthulhu spinoff. Yes. That hurt my brain. Vietnam setting, Cthulhu mythos, what could go wrong? I had a player who couldn't quite grasp the system mechanics and didn't raise his hand for a better explanation until 90 minutes into it. Oh, yeah, that's good timing. That's fucking me, though. (laughs) (laughs) So I give him a behind-the-screen explanation of how the mechanics have worked so far, breaking down how roles and points uh, spends play out. That helped, but he he still didn't quite get it. He would question roles and point spends I called for. He was never argumentative, but I could tell he was a little frustrated. It boiled down to me basically saying, we have four hours to get through. Uh-oh, I wasn't ready. This one shot, just trust me. And it was fine. The session played out great. The investigation had great RP. They encountered weird mythos stuff and constructed their own ritual to solve the problem, complete with a human sacrifice and chanting. Classic Cthulhu. But after the session, the feedback wasn't so positive. The player who never quite understood the mechanics still didn't get it, and he wanted more dungeon crawl, dice-rolling conflict. Another player piped up to say, Yeah, our characters had guns, and I was waiting to use them. A third player said, I missed all the maps we usually play through, meaning the dungeon maps I use for our usual game. So, fine, not a big deal. The system didn't play well with my group. They still had fun, but... Wait a minute! Fuck that! Fuck what the players think. <laughs> this is also me. Cool. I waited six months to run this game. I spent hours <laughs> prepping it. I filled out the pre-gen character sheets and mailed them physically, with a stamp and everything, to my players. We play online. I made a 60s music playlist. I crammed a full investigation successfully into four hours and even let them jump the rails to create their own mythos ritual to enchant an item with an old one's power. You don't understand the system? Maybe read the book like I did. Or simply ask me to explain the character sheet you had for two months before the game. Or even reply to my pre-game email I sent several days. Sorry, I'm just cracking up because this is very good. (laughs) Before the session. You also sat there watching the other three players play the game perfectly for 90 minutes before saying anything. You want to use your weapons? You want dungeon maps? Fine, murder hobos. Fine. I'm sorry you didn't have to talk talk your experience points this time. Fuck, excuse me for bringing something different to the table. Next time, you'll get your fucking dungeon crawl. So (laughs) angry. So So angry. angry. The (laughs) venting. Right? This feels very good to, like, read secondhand. Uh, I missed the question. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a story about why he's mad. I think it's a horror story. story. (laughs) Oh, and don't worry about me. I'll just be looking longingly through the game store window at all the shiny new systems that I'll never get to play because you won't appreciate them. And, God forbid, you actually run a game for me. Uh, Real feels. Thanks for playing. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening, Jackers. Keep jacking. Oh. Like, I felt that anger by the end, and I was like, yeah, fuck. Wait, what are we talking no, about? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> you need to lower your expectations on your pl- of, for your players. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone, uh, you, you can't, read a rule book, come on. Yeah. yeah. That's unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm a little confused that they play online, but you physically mailed the character sheets. I think... I think <laughs> yeah. I think... I think he's saying he did that as part of the setting because, like, that's like oh, part like of it his was setup. a cool letter yeah. thing. A cool okay, letter okay, for his players to get. I dig it. Envelope. I yeah, because it. Right. it was set in like the '60s. He made a '60s music playlist to go with it, so yeah. it was kind of like their way of setting up the ambiance of it, yeah. which is super cool and creative. I really like that, and I don't even know if I could find a stamp if I needed one nowadays. But cool. Um, I I feel you, but I also am like, hey. Like the anger, the anger I felt, I felt the anger of that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know. I feel like there's like some miscommunication here between you and the players, and yeah. it is amazing that you want to run all these systems and play in all these systems. And since you obviously have capability for like online gaming, maybe you should check out the Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I actually. So I want to jump in here yeah. because I I don't know if it's like lowering your expectations of the players, but rather. Why don't you set the expectations yeah. properly yes. for don't your take partners, what I'm right? say. <laughs> so um, I'll tell you how we do it. We have a system called CATS. It's an acronym. It's concept, aim, tone, and subject matter. It's really fast. You do it like five to ten minutes before you start playing. And you can also kind of be working on it beforehand too. But the idea is that at a basic level, we're going to understand the concept of this game, the aim, we're going to talk about what this game intends to do and how we do it, and even further, what we're going to do this session. So if we're just doing character creation and maybe one or two scenes, I'm going to tell you that. The tone, so everyone understands the tone and doesn't go burned down in A. (laughs) Is out of bounds. Um, And then the subject matter, so that everyone is aware that, hey, there could be a book with human skin, or hey, there could be some like other gross shit, so you need to be aware of that. And also, hey, let's talk about safety tools. I mean, I, I think that like that's a very like formalized way of doing it, but I think what I I think the problem that uh, that Jason may have had here is that he did not he's not make sure his players didn't even like understand like what their responsibilities were, mm-hmm. right? And like what what was going to happen? So, I, or you know, I think there was definitely like a breakdown of communication there. You know, it sounds like so. Um, yeah. yeah. And and I mean, it sounds like for the most part, like it was pretty successful. And I mean, it can also just be a thing of like, hey, they played this and they're like, they tried it out and hey, you know, I missed the maps. Like, you can definitely also have players like if this is their first time running through this game. Like I've done that too, where I, you know, I've sat down and played a game and done the whole thing, and then I've kind of like. I don't really like this system. Like, it doesn't speak to me. Like, great, you did a great job running it. Or it's not D and D. I want to play D and D. I mean, that's a, there's a huge number of those people. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and you know you know if that's you know your flavor that you love. That's fine. And it, that's kind of what it sounds like to me is that like, um, like he really wanted to to try. He really wants to. He wants to be a polysystemist. I don't know right. how you say that. <laughs> but, um, you know, and try all these different systems while he's got a group who's like, no, we really like and are comfortable with D&D and that's what we want to play. Which is great if that's your, you know, if that's what you want to do. But it sounds like maybe you should start looking um, for other people to play with online who are more interested in other systems. And doesn't mean you have to drop this group. Like, play D&D with these people. 
it's you know it seems like it's been working for a long time. But, oh, I don't know. He doesn't oh. sound very happy. Well, <laughs> he doesn't sound happy with them in this particular instance. He I think it's time for a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> time for a group breakup <laughs> or a break at least. I don't think it's necessarily about break. Like it seems like he was just really excited for this thing. And the story he wanted to tell actually probably shouldn't have happened in the one shot. If you're introducing a new system, like give your players a chance to get comfortable in it. Like yeah. do a character gen with like two scenes, so you're like, mm-hmm. okay, how do I walk across the street? And you play through those like bitty things. It looks like with all the things that he sent off and creating all like I think he wanted a campaign of this. And then putting all his expectations in a four hour one shot, yeah. like he didn't get what he wanted from this. They didn't get what they wanted from this. It was just a like too much, too too much pressure and such yeah. high expectations on that. Like I don't yeah. know. right, they were going to try something a little different. Yeah, you yeah. got to ease into and it. And it wasn't what really what people were expecting. <laughs> got to talk. And you don't spring it on them. <laughs> use lots no. of lube. You got to use lots of lube and make sure everything goes smoothly. Right. Wait, what are we talking about? Constant communication. Please keep checking in. Yes, I'm talking about butt sex now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let, let's oh, by the way, the word you were looking for earlier, Kimmy, is uh, polygamous. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Let, let's go ahead and read the last email because we still have uh, nice. okay. Okay. about 10 minutes. Okay, excellent. I, I will. Do you want to read it? I will read it. We could um, split it. If we you will pass off. All right. Sentence by sentence. I will. No. I will pass off and uh, I will start and, you, and then you pick up. Are we doing Swedish accents? No. No. No, I don't have nope. a Swedish accent. Mm-hmm. I've got a bad Irish accent and Hello, a fairly good bags. Russian accent, and I sound. Johan from Sweden here again. Go ahead. <laughs> nope. Uh, in episode twenty three oh seven, you were talking about conti- uh, continuing games past their logical end, a sin I uh, as well have committed. The discussion went on to talk about rebooting a campaign a long time later, which leads. Uh, to my counterexample, where we ran new campaigns starting immediately after the first one ended. So consider what follows a success story. Hey. Ooh, right. we don't usually get this. Uh, a long, ta- long time ago, before even your podcast was on the air. Wait, is that a real thing? Yeah. <laughs> We're coming up on 10 years in August. years ago. Yes. <laughs> the years ago. Dice. Also, like, Loki, uh, Jason from The Gauntlet is, like, an old-school listener, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, before we were even on the air, pre twenty no, two thousand nine. Yeah. Uh, as a much less experienced GM, I was running a new hot game called Vampire the Requiem. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get out of a failed sandbox campaign streak. Hint: put toys in the sandbox or fish. Gross. <laughs> gross. So I. <laughs> Or Almond Roca. That's a callback to other emails and other shows. So. <laughs> Almond Roca, for sure. <laughs> That's very good. So I set up a rather linear campaign, which for that group worked quite well. That concluded with an old order overthrown in the city without a prince and a whole lot of burning buildings. Players that did not pass unno- uh, players that did not pass unnoticed among the mortals. As the rebel who killed the prince fell to the hand of the players, we concluded the campaign, and my friend took over GMing. He then ran a mortals campaign where we, the next city over, were affected by the newly declared martial law due to, quote, terrorist attacks. You know, the players. <laughs> uh, we ran that, uh, that as a mystery game and concluded once we realized that we were dealing with vampires and all skipped town. 
good. At that point, GM switched back to me. Jamming switched back to me, and I started the campaign back on the original city with new characters, just as the Mortals campaign ended. So, like a month or so in game later, the old characters were not present and probably skipped town on, in the resulting power str- struggle. Right, go. <clears throat> <laughs> if you don't tag out, the referees yeah. are calling. Yeah, you. right. That's true. Now, as the prince was a rather mad primogen, the old characters had escaped, had helped escape, and as the game started, the country was under martial law and lockdown. Think regular military checkpoints between blocks. This continued and morphed into the story of the fall of one of the player characters. Ooh, nice. He started out intending to be a cult leader. Okay, that's a good goal. So uh, Samantha. Yeah. yeah. The other players started a bar. But <laughs> Yay! Oh my god, it's our game! Yeah, this is, this is good. Um, but ended up on the prince's bad side, and over the course of the campaign, single-handedly managed to diabolize the sheriff... Uh, destabilized the prince's position till he fled town, and then pursuing him and sacrificing him as well. Sacrifice! <laughs> uh, at that point, uh, he was rather over the edge and tried to off the new prince as well, uh, who had been helped to power by our bar starting player, now Seneschal, mm-hmm. by firing an anti-tank rocket into the foyer of her haven. That upset the military police standing at a checkpoint a hundred <laughs> yards away, and the campaign climaxed with the rest of the players. That's a good to climax together. Yes, um, pursuing <laughs> him to hot. try to stop him, <laughs> and him pursuing the diablerized sheriff's sister who had chosen that moment to strike at him. His final moment was to try firing an anti-tank grenade at that sister in melee range and botching it. Jesus. Oh. That was ruled as the shell landed harmlessly at both their feet. His next action was to jump on the shell to try to set it off, which I allowed, (laughs) resulting in his final death. We ended the campaign there, which everyone seemed to like. Yeah, I think your player is definitely bought into the character death at that point. I guess I somewhere in there lost track of what I was trying to prove. But I guess that the moral of the story is that continuing with a campaign uh, right where the action left off is not as bad an idea as you made it out to be. I believe the key is to select a new angle for the new campaign's conflict and not continuing with the struggle of faction good versus faction bad, uh, optionally, optional changing sides. Uh, P.S. Roll for next year's fortune. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, P.P.S. Do not use Storks Dice for that roll. Yeah, Copy that's that. Accurate. Uh, P.P.P.S. Stay awesome. Douchebags. Yeah. Aw, thank y'all. Nice. I like I, that. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I think that there's a lot of changing up there because, like, they switched from their original campaign, then they switched to a new GM and totally new characters. And then they switched back to the original GM and the original location, but still again with all new characters. Yeah, right. That, that's not necessarily... I mean, that's a shared world, yeah. Yeah. which is fun, but that's not really continuing, picking up the same campaign. Right. Yeah, At accurate. least to me, it doesn't feel the yeah. same. Mm-hmm. Same. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Have oh. you ever done that, Jason, with the like, longer form campaigns? You know, this is... I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, this is not... Uh, I haven't game like this in a long time. <laughs> um, this is like this sort of like long-term campaign kind of gaming is not something I, I do uh, much of. Although, the way we do it in the Gauntlet, and I have done this, um, uh, particularly like uh, with our very popular AP, uh, Mercy Falls, most terms, um, plug, plug. Uh, <laughs> I have done what is essentially like an anthology world, right? I've done that, which I think is kind of what this 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 listener basically ended up with, right? Like, 
like we have the same persistent world, but basically every every four to five weeks we shuffle the players up a little bit and and we have like new characters in that same world and there's there are like threads that connect all the different like uh we call them the series the series is like four to five sessions in the gauntlet that's a series all the little series that connect up into the campaign um they have like some common threads that connect them and because we record all our games you can go like watch and learn all that stuff if you want to right um and and so like it is a long-term thing it is a persistent campaign world but it's but it's essentially anthology or kind of episodic right and i think that actually that actually helps you avoid um it, it really helps you avoid like burnout it helps you avoid like um you know we've all been in campaigns where it's just done, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just done, but we're still playing it and because we feel like it's our civic duty to do it or something, <laughs> right? Like, like, we've all been there. So so I think what this GM landed on is essentially what we do, right? But, like, ours is just much more, like, formally, formally that, right? Yeah. Um, but, no, so I, I definitely, um, I don't game in that, like, kind of same group, 30 sessions, yeah. you know, mode. I haven't done that in a long time. Um, isn't there like a comic book setting coming up, too? There is, yeah. Uh, Rich Rogers, uh, Lolf, yeah, Rich Rogers, Lowell Francis, and I think a couple of other people, too. They're doing, uh, Jim Crocker, maybe, they're doing uh, a world called Gauntlet Comics, uh, which is a bit of a spinoff. Uh, Rich had this world called Gauntlet City, and he played like a bunch of different systems in this same city called Gauntlet City, right? And the aim of that campaign was to try out different small, lesser known games, right? Um, and so they maintained this like neighborhood map and all this like neighborhood information, but uh, they played all these different games. And Gauntlet Comics, I think, is a springboard off that. Like it's a superhero version of that, right? Nice. So that, that's how we do long term campaigns in the Gauntlet. Um, I've done uh, my Mercy Falls Monster Hearts campaign, which is. Um, uh, which people, a lot of people are really do. Um, I my uh, we hunt the keepers dungeon world uh, campaign world, um, which is another uh, kind of fun thing. So yeah, but, but it's always like this kind of anthology kind of style. Yeah. Awesome, nice. cool. cool, yay! All right, All right. success. Yeah, we did it. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, so yes. Much. Oh gosh, thanks for having me. I, I am I was delighted and and uh, and honored to be asked on. Yeah. Very excited. Well, hopefully you can join us again, and uh, thank you for all your patience and Without all your Without an excitement. hour's worth of prep before <laughs> oh we actually get to About the tech problems, yeah. <laughs> no worries. So, um, but yeah, and uh, one more time uh, for the back row, where can people find you? Uh, we're on Twitter at GauntletRPG. Our website is gauntlet-rpg.com, and we're on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gauntlet. Yay! Nice. Awesome. Right. And keep that Twitter fucking spicy. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yes, yes, I, thank, thank you, thank you. There are people who want me to, like, tone it down. Never. No, no. no. <laughs> I, I love my hot Twitter. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> we're All not right. the table for All tone right. Twitter. Nope. <laughs> tone down Twitter. All right, I'm going to end it. All okay. right, okay. Bye! Bye! Alright, hold on one second. Wait. No, wait. There's like things. Thank you for joining us for season 23, <laughs> episode 13 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Sure. My name is Stu. <laughs> My name is Kimmy. Mills. And I'm Bria. And. Yay! <laughs> That's Jason. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time and we'll leave with the song. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. I'm going to mute the mics. Be a
resurrect as the front stepping proudly together. So freedom's his own on each proud spirit there. Down the hills winding, their blessed still shining like rivers of beauty that flow from his burn from mountain and valley to liberty's rally. How can make way for the bold Fenian men? Our prayers and our tears they have scoffed and derided. They've shut out God's sunlight from spirit and mind. Our foes were united and we were divided. We met and they scattered our ranks to the wind. But once more returning within our veins burning, the fires that illumined our Caloban raised the old cry and new slogans of God and you. How can they play for the bold Fenian men? We men from the north, from the sewer and the Shannon. The tyrants come forth, we'll bring force against force. Our pen is the sword and our voice is the cannon. Rifle for rifle and horse against horse. We made the Cossacks and yield many a red battlefield. With God on our side, we will triumph again. Pay them back, woe for woe, give them back, blow for blow. Out and make way for the bold Fenian men. By side for the cause of our forefathers' battle When our hills never echoed the tread of the slave In many a field where the leaden hill rattled Through the red gap of glory they marched to the grave And those who inherit their name and their spirit Will march beneath the banners of liberty then All who love foreign law, native or Sassanah must out and make way for the bold Fenian men And those who inherit their name and their spirit Who march beneath the banners of liberty And all who love foreign law, native or Sassanah Must out and make way for the bold Fenian men The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire